Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello, and welcome. Are you okay after the week that we've just had? I'm sorry, I'm doing a Holly Willoughby uh, talk. Can you manage to survive because somebody's not on the this morning sofa anymore this week? Are you okay? Let's first of all check if you are okay this week. How pathetic. <laughs> oh dear. I do hope you are okay though, ladies and gentlemen, and here we are for another week here at the RGM Experience Podcast. The podcast, ladies and gentlemen, where we delve into the grassroots music industry and above, speaking to personalities within the industry, warts and all, honest, nice chats. And this week is no different at all, ladies and gentlemen. We've got an amazing guest coming up for you today, Alyssa Taylor. I've known about Lissy for a while. Uh, I've just seen her progress and progress. She's got these tours and new music out and that kind of stuff. Isla White Festival coming up. We'll come to that in a bit. I've had a cracking week this week. It's been a lot of fun. I hope it has for you and all you know. Uh, This music industry just rolls on, doesn't it? And keeps throwing these things at us. I was interviewed on BBC Radio Sheffield this week by Toby Foster. On their breakfast show, I was up nice and early. Um, and I'll I'll play you the clip at the end of this podcast as well. You can listen to it if you want, right at the end, after the interview with Lissy. Um, basically talking about the first ever Arctic Monkeys gig that, you know, they supported my band, the first ever gig they played. I bang on about it. Well, I don't bang on about it a lot. I get asked about it a lot, so uh, I do have to talk about it a lot. And it's fun too, you know, it's... 20 years ago, pretty much to the day that that gig happened. And look at them fly now. I'm off to Sheffield shortly to catch them in the Hillsborough Park and enjoy the sun. And just have a few beers in Hillsborough Park, watch Arctic Monkeys and Hives and just have a very good weekend ahead of me. So uh, I'm talking about the weekend. This podcast out is on the Monday, so I've had the weekend. Past tense. Always get mixed up on times and dates and things. But well, yeah, it's been a great week. It's been a great week on RGM as well. We did cover the Arctic Monkeys gig at Old Trafford. That looked like a lot of fun. Uh, we've covered loads of festivals. Festival season is deeply upon us, and you're going to see a lot more festival content coming out on RGM shortly. All the festivals, even including Edinburgh Fringe Festival, that we love covering each year. Um, yeah, just lots of stuff coming up, you know, standard. Thank you for joining us for another week on the podcast. Do us a favour, will you? T- tell a friend about it. If, you enjoy, if you're one of those people that hang around every week, and I know there's a few of you out there, tell your friend about it for us. Help us spread the word, because it really helps us out. Uh, anyway, that's my week. I hope yours has been all right, you know. Uh, so we're going to crack on with a, with a new guest, ladies and gentlemen. Lissy Taylor. What can we say about Lissy? Hardworking grafter. She's been around for a while. You know, you've got to put, you've got to pay your dues in this industry, aren't you? And be around and play to nobody and gradually build up pockets of fans all over the country. And Lissy's, you know, worked really hard. And that's why I've asked her to be on the podcast, really. She's just recorded in Abbey Road, mate. We talk about that. That's interesting. She had a photo shoot with Paul Gallagher, um, one of the Gallaghers. Uh, we talk about Paul. We have had Paul on the podcast before in the archives, if you're interested to have a chat with Paul. Really interesting, nice, genuine, good lad. So yeah, loads of things coming up now. Should we crack on with the interview and I'll stop all my babbling at the beginning like I do, you know? Yes, you say? Right then, your wish is my command, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another week of music here at the RGM Experience Podcast. Lissy Taylor. Hiya, thanks for having us on. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. You're somebody I've wanted to have a, a, a little chat with because 
I just see you grafting out there in the industry, mate, and I see you doing everything you can to get your music out there in the world. And uh, I just want to have a little chat with you and get to know you a bit, if that's all right with you, pal. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Honestly, like no days off for me. Yeah. <laughs> just music every day. <laughs> well, sorry if we're talking over each other. You know, it is the world of Zoom, so we apologise for any. You know, if uh, if anybody's getting any delays on anything there too. So let, let's. You know, you, I've just seen you. You just come off your tour. Uh, you've just recorded in Abbey Road. We're going to get to all of that. We're going to get to all of that and have a good chat about it. But I just want to get to know you and your journey a little bit more and how you got into music and that kind of stuff, really, if that's okay, mate. So so talk, So you're from Stoke originally? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm from Stoke. Uh, like all my family is, mm. is from Stoke. Yeah. And um, I, I kind of just started out just like playing in like... Mm like local kind of like open mics and stuff yeah. um wherever I could get in probably because I started playing when I was like 14 or so so I'd just mm. play wherever I could yeah. um and then when I was like when I was 15 um well almost 15 moved to America for a couple of years oh. um and uh just through like my dad's work yeah. um he got he got offered to go work over there for yeah. a, a little while um and that's kind of when I started like songwriting almost mm-hmm. as like a a diary kind of kind of thing it just kind of naturally happened um and then I started playing over there where, wherever I could and it kind of yeah. just like snowballed it does, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? But how, how did you find out like music was a thing for you before you started doing open mic nights? What, what? How, how did music grab you personally as a young lass in Stoke before you even started doing your open mic nights? Talk me through that. Well, it, it's a it's a funny one because when when I was like really young, um, I used to be super shy, like really really quiet and I always say like when people like oh I'm quiet oh I'm shy I could never do that I'm like I used to be dead shy like I used to be super quiet like I'm not like I'm not naturally like a super like extroverted person um and but I've I've always kind of loved music like growing up I loved I loved listening to music and kind of singing along um kind of quietly in, in my own way. Um, and I loved, um, I loved doing like, I'd love like copying stuff, like went from like a really young age, like anything I heard, I was like a parrot. I'd just like be mimicking it all the time. Like probably seemed really daft, but like, <laughs> but um, literally anything, anything musical. Like I remember um, my mum was saying the other day, she was like, you used to sing the direct line adverts all the time and what, like anything from when I was like three, I would, anything musical, I'd just kind of latch onto it. Um, and then from kind of then getting more into like following artists, like I, I really like loved Amy Winehouse, um, I think, and like Florence and the Machine, I'd say those were kind of who I'd listened to the most kind of growing up. Um, like yeah, Amy Winehouse, Florence and the Machine, Oasis, like all that kind of like yeah. um, indie, alternative rock kind of scene. Um, and I just like sing in the car by myself, yeah. or I'd sing in the house, um, never in front really of anyone, yeah. except my mum. Um, and then I, I I got a guitar when I was like. 13 or so and just started learning and uh i'd play in the house all the time Mm. i was just obsessed with it get home play guitar Mm. sing um (laughs) and then one day my mum was like right you you, you're not playing in the house anymore you're not playing (laughs) in the house no more and she said she was like we're going to a pub and you're gonna play at this open mic night tonight and she only told me like about an hour before we were going because she knew that I wouldn't like, she knew I'd be like stressing and be like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? She was like, right, we're going. Um, I've put you on the list. You're going and we're, we're doing it because you can't just sit in, in the kitchen with your guitar and have no one like play to no one. So she kind of 
me she she gave me like the push that I needed mm. to go and to go and do it I think um because I think you've got to do what scares you sometimes but then yeah. after I did that I was like that was really fun yeah. it was like absolutely like I was bricking it but it was really fun and then it's just kind of been like mm. stepping up each time from from there really it, it, no, just the uh... You know, just to get that little bit of push off someone, just to go on, put yourself out there, just crack on. Um, it, it's needed a lot throughout throughout life, and it that kind of stuff. And someone just to take control of the situation a little bit, and just um, you know, it, it's the you know, it, it it's it, it's your mum though. Your mum's putting you out there in the music world. Is it? Did you have any like other musical influences around the family as well? Um. Well. Uh... My, my uncle, um, he's not he's not like musical um, mm. himself. Like he, he doesn't he doesn't really play or anything. Mm. But he um, he's he's one of them where he'll he'll go to like loads like loads of concerts. He'll travel to like Spain or where literally wherever to go see a band. Mm. Um, so growing up, I'd always seen um, like all of like the merch that he'd bought and all the like the posters of all mm. these gigs that he'd been like he'd he'd go see Oasis he'd go see U2 he'd go see like Kasabian in Madrid or whatever like he'd go see loads of bands and a lot of the time it would be like the same bands but he'd go see him somewhere else and and he's just like really really into his music and and going to to travel to go see it as well um so i was really surrounded by that and he'd always be saying oh come listen to this band come listen to this what do you think of this um and uh then like giving me like bits of like like cd covers or whatever he's kind of got from from going different gigs and stuff and i always thought wow like that that's so cool but i I, I never really kind of pictured me doing it growing up. I just remember kind of having so much admiration for it and thinking right. that's awesome. That's so cool. Um, but I think growing up, it have just like really like raised my confidence just mm. naturally from kind of pushing myself um, as, mu- as much as I can. And, well, and, uh, I was going to ask you there, do you think it's what still- you have to do? Do you think you'd still be playing music if your mum hadn't given you a push, or do you think you'll eventually got there yourself at some point? I think I think eventually I would have got there myself, mm. but I think it it would have taken a bit a bit longer for sure. Um, and you know, every, everyone's different. Like some people can handle kind of being thrown in the deep end, yeah. and I and and you know, some people need to be more gradually. I think with with music, I've always just kind of been like, right, we're, we're doing it, and we'll we'll, we'll kind of got, gone in the deep end yeah. of just from pretty much like feeling sick before playing <laughs> an, an open mic night for the first time, yeah. um, and then actually thinking, Do you know what, like it didn't go perfect by the way I completely messed up but even though I messed up I thought you know I actually really enjoyed that and I'm dead proud of myself that I did it and then from there I kind of got like the bug for it Mm. um and then I just wanted to do it as as much as I could and um try and test myself because I think a lot of it as well as well as like actually being able being able to play I think a lot of it's kind of like like a a mental kind of test Mm. you know I think it's of of keeping yourself going and um having that belief and having that kind of uh win or learn mentality mm. rather than like kind of kicking yourself if something goes wrong just being like okay we'll we'll learn from it for next time kind yeah. of thing what what kind of opportunities are available were available in stoke um they they did have quite a few open mic nights mm. i think they still have quite a few that go on mm. um one of my favourites was um, there was one in Stoke, like right near the train station. And um, if you played, you'd get a free um, chip butty. There you go. And that was brilliant. <laughs> like, I mean, it was um, it was it was a bar, so like I like I I don't really know if I was meant to be in there to be honest, but they, <laughs> they let me in, and we we're just like because you'd get like a pint and and a 
a butty or whatever. And they were just like, look, you can come in and play. We'll have you in play. Um, but, you know, no pints for, for you because you're like 14. <laughs> fair enough. Well, that's fair enough, isn't it? <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's quite a few. Um, and then uh, my, my guitar teacher at the time, uh, he ran one as well. Mm. Uh, that I'd that I'd go to quite a lot, but now um, I'm I teach now at, at a, a local college, mm. um, like doing doing music and encourage all the all the kids be going open mics and and doing doing a lot um, outside as much as much as they can. Um, I've just had them all playing on uh, a festival that ran over the the last weekend. It was called the the Your City Festival, and that's kind of like Stokes, um, like multi-venue music mm. festival that that runs for it's run for a few years now, mm. and and that's just really good opportunity to to start playing in in venues, especially if you're kind of taking it more seriously as yeah. like more than just going to an open mic night and being like, right, we're we're, we're going to be a band and we're going to be on, uh, you know, pro- proper stage and yeah. and all that. So it, it must be interesting to see kids with with the bright eyes and and teaching them and and what what do you physically teach kids these days? What what do they need to know? What what's what's good advice for maybe a young lass that's watching this thinking I'm I can play in a few chords I've just not got out there. What advice would you give somebody like that? I I'd say you've just got to play as much as much as you can. Mm. Play what you enjoy playing. Play what's challenging as well. Um, and I'd say always always push yourself to do stuff that scares you a little bit because if you're doing something that scares you just a little bit, you know, you're going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, I heard that, um, I can't remember who was talking about it. Someone was talking about like rule of thirds and they said, you know, if a third of the time you feel like you're enjoying it and it's going really well, and a third of the time, it's like okay. And a third of the time, you're like, "What? What is going on? This yeah. I, this isn't working out." Then, roughly, you're making progress and you're kind of on on track. Um, and I think that's kind of a good thing to stick by because it's not, you know, it's not always, um, especially in music. It's such you're going to have such ups and downs with it, mm. and you've just got to have that like belief in in yourself and. Um, just kind of keep yourself steady, I'd say. Yeah, and and then you move to Australia. Sorry, not Australia, America. So what? What kind of what? Australia. Kind of, I said the wrong thing. I'm stupid. Uh, in America, so <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> Fair enough. So when you moved to America, then like, what kind of? How did that like uh, influence you with your music and that kind of stuff? What kind of you know, like just having different surroundings, being a different country, America, you know. Uh, yeah, where, where dreams are made. Well, but yeah, yeah. Like when when we moved over there, it was January, um, and it was like right, get on the plane, and, and then as soon as we landed that evening, next morning, I was starting school. Ah. Um, so I did like one day of school, um, or a week of school, which was just like a complete culture shock completely different um and then then it there was like crazy weather so there was this big snowstorm (laughs) and we were like snowed in everyone was snowed in for like about two weeks i had like two weeks no school um because the snow was that bad like yeah like literally like walls of snow everywhere but where, whereabouts in America um, was it? It was in that. So we were in we were in Kentucky. Okay. Um, so it's like just above Tennessee, right. and um, that kind of two week window where I was in the house and uh, new country. So like no no friends, no yeah. like family apart from my parents. We were all just in the house um, for two weeks, kind of yeah. stuck, snowed in, and I'd played. All of the songs I could think of that I knew, and I'd played them so many times, I was bored out my mind. So then I thought, you know what? We're going to try and write something. Yeah. Um, 
and that's when I just started writing songs and muddling my way through it and uh and it's just kind of been a craft since and, and keep kept going but playing over there it was like it was like it was very kind of like cinematic like you'd have kind of like loads of like live music bars and everything and it def- you definitely had to play to the american an audience and I, I just love music so I was like I'll just play whatever you want me yeah. play so like you know people will people will come and listen and um I started doing open mic nights there and uh then that kind of came to people started coming to the open mic because they knew I was playing and I started to get a bit of like a like known mm. um and then from that, people would say, oh, I want you to come and play in, in my bar or, like, this event or whatever. And then I kind of thought, oh, this, this is decent. Yeah. I didn't think I could actually, like, <laughs> make make some money for from it. I thought it was just, like, a cool hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, and then that kind of, like, snowballed into playing in New York and mm-hmm. playing in Nashville and, like, actually playing in proper music venues and, uh, it was it was amazing, yeah. How how did that transition happen? So uh, it, uh, musicians do that a lot. They just say, "Oh, I just ended up playing in New York." But how do you end up playing in New York? Well, it's like um, I started. So I started like in the open mics, mm. and then people started coming. Yeah. Oh, listen, blah blah blah. Um, and then people kind of started picking up that, oh, there's like getting a bit of an audience coming to these open mics that, you know, they're just like free entry kind of, kind of deal. Um, so then I'd start having like bar owners or, um, like restaurant owners then coming up to me and saying, I want you to start playing like regular in my, my venue. Most of the bars that there. Have like a, a built-in kind of stage live okay. area, mm. um. So then, like from from that, I'd kind of started gigging, and um, and and then from that, you'd have like different different venues in like Nashville and and New York, um. That would then say, you know, you can come and 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 play in hours for. I remember for, for the Nashville ones, it's like super competitive to to get a spot because it's like music city. Um, but I managed to get on to. I think I played in like maybe three three different venues or mm-hmm. so, um, and it was just yeah, it was an awesome experience. Um, it was just kind of like word of mouth and social media um, being kind of contacted saying, "Would you would you play this venue? Would you play this venue?" Um, and uh, yeah, it was just kind of organically happened. How would you compare that experience to what it's like in the UK, like getting gigs and spots and that kind of stuff? Uh, in the in the UK now, um, there's I think there's kind of more like it might just be for like where I am. I've like progressed a little bit, but like it seems like there's a bit more of a structure, and you've got like mm. actual like promoters that you can work with um you know like you you're this feeling or you sjm or you know all those kind of um the, all those kind of companies and stuff that will put the gigs on or you've got like radio stations that will be putting the gigs on um but because over there i was just kind of direct with like whoever owns the mm. venue yeah. um it was kind of more like grassroots kind of thing mm. um of just direct independent venue um owners or or you'd kind of apply to play at like a famous venue and then you'd see if you got picked yeah kind of thing um but in the uk i think there's definitely kind of more of like a chain of like emerging artists and there's more of like a circuit of where you can where you can get on. I think there's more opportunity really because there's it sounds daft but like there's if you've got a good sound and and uh you kind of 
have have your band and have the yeah. the like the work ethic. I don't think it's like as saturated as over there because I think over there everyone's like there's a lot of people doing the same thing. Yeah. And I think maybe the UK is a bit more diverse in terms of and in, in terms of like the types of music and the genre. Especially like um especially female artists as well. I think there's starting to be a real shift in like female artists getting into like more like indie and alternative and rock, mm. which like I'm proper behind and excited about. Yeah, no, I love that. And we, we've chatted about gigs before. So just like, you know, full disclosure with RGM and that kind of stuff, we we are finding live gigs really difficult at the minute for people buying tickets. People aren't buying in advance anymore. They're buying last minute, which is a nightmare. Uh, from from a promoter's point of view, that the the, the, the the venue higher costs are a lot more than what they were post COVID because venues nearly went under and they're just trying to claw some money back. I suppose, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not speaking for anybody specific. I just think that's what they're doing. It makes sense for them to do that because they've had a hard time. Mm-hmm. So it's it's even harder for promoters like like little independent people like myself to hire a venue for two hundred quid and then uh, two days before you've only sold ten tickets and you're not you're not even broke even yet. It, that's that's kind of uh, where there's a lot there's there's a lot of that going on at the minute. It's really difficult out there for promoters because I I you know I can only put people on from Manchester at Manchester gigs and Sheffield from Sheffield gigs just because there's a better chance of them being able to bring people. And I know I'd I'd have loved to have got you on, but I know you're not local to Manchester. But it, it's been I, I, I want Lissy Taylor on a gig. It's just been it's been a struggle for me to put um, you know people from other towns. Um, you know, onto RGM gigs, and it's just—I hate that part of uh, the industry where it's just uh, where you have to restrict things sometimes just for fucking money. Um, but if you if you keep losing money at gigs, you, it's not going to go anywhere. You need you need to you need to at least break even to create a night for people to enjoy, for people to come back to again after it's. Mm-hmm. I've, I've gone on a bit a little bit of a rant there, but it, it's only it's only because. You know, I'd, I'd love to have an artist like you on an RGM live gig where I'm not a big company like this this feeling or SGM, you know, that they can soak those type of things up and work things a different way. They're more national where I'm just a yeah. a, a little guy booking a venue in Manchester or Sheffield or whatever. Uh, it's, a, it's a different kind of ball game, but there's a lot of people that want to do more. They're just finding it really, really tough at the minute just with ticket sales and that kind of stuff too. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's kind of, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, like apprehension when you've you've got a gig and you're thinking this is getting a bit close now mm. what is, is everyone coming and everyone's like yeah 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 i'm coming i'm yeah. coming and you're like okay yeah. I take it. every gig <laughs> it's but, every gig i promise you <laughs> um but then it's kind of like last minute yeah it's relief when you see everyone there and you're yeah, like okay, yeah. God, it's all it's all works out um <laughs> but yeah i'm going to be um I've done recently like some some more Manchester shows. I played yeah. with uh, Dirty Blonde in oh, the yeah. the Deaf Institute mm. and uh, Rian Downey in the Deaf Institute as well nice. uh, this year. Um, also done the the Manchester Club Academy. Mm. That's pro- that's proper cool. Um, but yeah, like I've got I've got a bit of a mix with my band. I've got like some of my bands from Liverpool, some of my bands from Manchester. Oh, yeah. So I'm kind yeah. of around there quite yeah. a lot um as well for like rehearsals and that because it's it's only like 30 minutes on the train so it's kind of easy to to get to manchester um but i guess it's um yeah for for gigs like especially we've just done the tour Mm. and i would i I was kind of like i was relieved and i was i was buzzing because i was thinking you know what that that's gone a lot better than I was I was thinking it would you know like I played when I played the Birmingham show, um, there was a bunch of people there singing the words, mm. singing along, and um, and I was just thinking, oh oh my gosh, like where 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 have these guys come from? Mm. Um, and it was it was amazing, but you know it's like things like that where it doesn't happen till the last minute. And all that kind of build up towards it, you're thinking, is this going to be all right? <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's no, it, you know, 
it, it's worse after COVID, but we just have to crack on and get a crack on, don't we? we you, you mentioned earlier, you mentioned uh, Rihanna Downer. Uh, you mentioned, you know, uh, you know, there's more females getting in, into the indie world these days, which is great to see. Um, do, do you feel like it's getting better and there's more opportunities for women now compared to uh, the past, maybe? Um, I think so. I think there's more people starting to get into it. Mm. I think it kind of goes like the like an increase in kind of the feminist movement of mm. how like society's kind of viewing women because I think like traditionally there's it's kind of been if there's a woman in music they've typically been like pop um, and kind of dancing about on stage. And you know, you know that's cool if you want to do that. But for me, like I'm, I'm not a dancer. Um, <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah. And like for my experience, the girls that are getting, you know, that are in music and and doing well with it, like we're they're really supportive of each other. Mm. Um, and and it's really lovely because it's like you know, people as people say, oh, women supporting women, but it's like it's actually true. Like, like the the experiences I've had working with other female artists, like we a hundred percent back each other. We'll stay and watch each other play. We'll try and get each other on our gigs because we kind of know from like lived experience, how hard it is to kind of break through these, these boundaries that have been kind of set just because it's not the typical, it's mm. not the standard of what's proven to have done well already. You know, it's so much easier. Um, I think, you know, if you've, it, it's hard being in a band anyway, but yeah. like if there's, I think an audience is is comfortable with like the lads band model. And uh, if you're not that in terms of like your branding and your marketing and your sound, yeah. It is a little bit harder because it's new and you're selling something new. Um, that's you know, it's not it's not the typical. And uh, I think it's really positive that things are starting to change. And and it's exciting as well. And it's setting yeah. that example of you can do whatever you know you you set out to do and what you feels right. Like you've got. Um, like Venus Girls, mm. Dirty Blonde, you know, they're great examples of like women doing like rock and, and doing really well with it. There's so much. There's loose articles from Manchester. There's Harriet Rose, who I know is doing really well. Rihanna Downer, amazing. Um, there's a young lass from Sheffield, Charlotte Bronson, that's just having a go at it. She's playing one of the main stages of Tramlines this year. I, ju- I just see an influx of amazing strong women just you know smashing it in music i just think it's great yeah it's what i'm it's what i'm all about i mm. love to see it and like do you know like like hand on heart when i see it i'm like i'm proud mm. i'm proud of them yeah. i'm proud of what it represents yeah nice one just hopefully some festivals will book more females hire up the posters as well then at some point because that's still annoying isn't it yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like those, like you'll have like uh, them, them kind of lower down on the bill, or or they'll have like a female only stage. But then it kind of feels like is that a bit of a box ticking thing yeah, you've done there and put them all it? on one stage? Yeah. And then is it like we've kind of put them out of the way on one <laughs> stage that's not as that's not as good as the yeah. other stages or yeah. not as big as the other stages? I don't know. Part of me has like a little bit of a. A, a niggle with that when they kind of like oh we've got a female only stage it's like that's great yeah but i don't know I, there's something that i think it's like how is that being done is that is it a female only stage where it's a really good stage it's a really good spot and it's yeah. going to draw people in or is it like somewhere all the way over there out the way really hard to get to and all the other stages are like I, on I, the front door i think your instinct is probably right there i think it probably is a, at this stage still which is unfortunate a bit of a tick box exercise uh, but that was that's got to change just with the amount of talent that's coming through that's got to change you'll yeah, make, you'll I, make I it think, happen won't you mate yeah i think i think you've got to go with the the mindset now it's like i was i was talking to um tom from the lottery winners mm. and he was like you know things are changed now like you've got to be doing so well that you've got to be like inignorable yeah. like you've got to be like flat out fantastic mm. 
and and that's the only option because anything else, you know, it's not going to cut it. It's got to be like a hundred and ten percent, and then you'll get you well, then you'll start getting somewhere. <laughs> I love Tom's positivity around it all. And, you know, he he just proves that hard work and talent. Uh, when those two things collide, you know, the, the world's your oyster, your world's your oyster, really, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a legend. Yes. Um, and he's, he's so supportive as mm. well, um, which I think is really important for, you know, someone that's kind of been there, done yeah. it, and is, like, setting that example. And just being honest about it, not yeah. being like, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, this all just happened. It's like, no, like we worked really, really hard, and this is, you know, this is what we did, and now how long it took. So you, you mentioned you've just come off the tour, then you know, you, it, it, was it your first headline tour that one with this feeling that you've just done? Um, that was my second one. Second one um, okay. with with this feeling mm. for for the tour. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, I was buzzing, and it, it definitely like felt like a step up from mm. from the first one yeah. that I did as well. It was, it was also really nice to see some of the same faces, you know, from Twitter. Um, mm. Yeah, people come, people come. I see the same faces. It kind of feels like almost more like a club yeah. um, when I see the same people um, come in from like all different places. Mm. Some people would come to see us at like different um, different cities just to. Yeah for fun and like someone came to see us in london they were like i think i've seen you in almost every city now and i thought that's like it's the support is is amazing and i'm just like really like grateful that you know i get i get to do it any any like funny tour stories that you can tell us or share with us uh well like usually usually like my band um is usually quite mellow quite chilled you know they'll rock up might have a beer yeah. then we'll, you know uh grab some food and then we'll go and go and play and i'll pack up and we'll, we'll head back you know nothing yeah. nothing too outrageous going on um but we played the we played a london show um last thursday at the the star of kings near saint pancras mm. and played the show uh, i was a uh, at the bar like having a chat to different folks that had come and um and whatnot and the the band said yeah you you stay having a chat with people you know get signed the the set lists and have pictures and whatever and we'll just go start loading up the car i was like yeah all right cool um thanks so i started doing that they started loading up the car and then i thought it's been gone a while where are they because i thought they'd just kind of come grab me um and then eventually one of them said oh come on we need we need go like quite urgently and i thought all right all right and then i came out and um i think there was there was like some some like drunk guy outside one of the pubs and for some reason my one one of my band had also had a few drinks after the show and uh, instead of just kind of being like, all right, mate, ignoring him, he started having a chat. So he was almost starting some sort of <laughs> brawl outside. And and they were like, come on, we're getting in the car. We're getting in the yeah. car now. We're going. We're going. We get all beer <laughs> in the car. So I just got out and they're like, let's see, in the car now. So we started the car. There was this man like shouting at us. Oh. Um, and uh, they were like, come on. And so, yeah, so then the band were you know having having a bit of a go at the other one being like what were you doing winding him up like yeah. <laughs> um it was just about, like really out of character yeah. uh for, for him because he's usually like the quiet one mm-hmm. and he'd gone out I mean picking off trying to start a fight it's like <laughs> Who, what what got into you today <laughs> um i love to yeah stories. yeah it was like almost starting a scrap outside the venue i was like chill out boys but yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, most most of the time it's really it's really chilled, yeah. and uh, but I guess I guess not all the time now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so life on tour, busy times. Uh, you've got this, this your second tour behind you now, mate. It must be exciting to be looking forward to the future, and and it was amazing to see you recording in none other than Abbey Road when I saw your socials. When I had a little nosy about you, how, uh, how did that come about? 
Uh, honestly, like I've been, I've been keeping quiet about it okay. because I was thinking, because I was thinking, like, <laughs> is this a big wind up? But basically, um, what, what, how how that came about was it was like super last minute, and mm. I think it was just kind of the timing of just being ready for any kind of chance that yeah. you get. So, um, a producer. Um, who was kind of he was friends with one of my um my bass players, um, and he messaged him saying, uh, "Are you are you in Lissy's band?" And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, what like I play I play bass for her, why?" And he says, "Well, I um I want I want to record her, um, because I'm I'm gonna start um like working down in London, um, and I, I'm gonna be." working out of, of Abbey Road for a, a little a little bit. Mm. Um and uh I, I basically <laughs> I want I want a band that you know that a band I like mm. that I can I can use whilst I'm kind of learning yeah. what, you know, the setup is mm. there in, in in that studio. Um so I I need a good band that's, you know, done some mm. cool stuff, like is like a higher level yeah. band that's got like national radio or like done some mm. f- cool festivals and stuff to bring there. Um, and I, I really, I really like her stuff. So could you, could you mention it to her, ask her if she's got some songs that could mm. do with recording and we'll, um, we'll see if we can sort it out. He's like, I'm, you know, it, it's super last minute, yeah. so I don't know. I don't know if it will be possible because it was like it was. It was like this um, this month. You know, mm. it all happened within like a like within two weeks or so. It was yeah. super last minute. Nice. Um, so then I was like, "Yeah, we'll we'll just make it happen. We'll figure it out." <laughs> um, you know how we how we all get down there to to do it and whatever, but like I've got I've got the songs, so yeah. I was like, look, these are these are my songs. I'm thinking, um, uh, well, we you know picked the one that we kind of thought would be would be best for it, yeah. um, and then we uh, we had we played a gig on on the Sunday, had the lads stay over mine. Um, and then super early on the Monday morning, drove to London, was and that, then did was your the gig in record- London as well. Because I know you've been in London a few times recently. But was your gig in London? Then you came home, and then went back down to London again. Yeah. So so we played London on the Thursday, mm, right? Um, and then we played Birmingham on the Friday. Then we had a festival in Stoke where we were playing on the ah, Sunday. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we played Stoke on the Sunday. Then they stayed over mine Sunday night, and then super early Monday morning we were load the car up with the guitars and that, drive to London, um, and then arrived at Abbey Road. It was just like that. I think for me, I wasn't full. Part of me was doubting. That's if real. it was actually going to happen, <laughs> because I didn't want to get, I didn't want to kind of get my hopes up too much. Yeah. But um, so part part of me didn't like fully fully believe it yeah. until I was actually stood there looking yeah. at it, and I was like, "Let me that this is happening. This is like amazing." Um, so recorded, and then drove back the the same the same night, but like finished recording at like eight o'clock, and and drove back. Well, I I've had the experience of recording in Abbey Road before. Um, I did a, I recorded a Halifax advert. You know, then people stood in the, in the choir. And I I, I, oh, yeah. I I sang in the Halifax choir and, and we recorded the advert the, the music for the advert in Abbey Road in Studio Two in the Beatles one. Oh yeah, so yeah, so, that's so cool so, because so, they were doing yeah. like soundtrack stuff. Oh, um, yeah. whilst we were there, they were doing like um, I think they were doing like video game stuff and like film stuff in in the other studio. Well, a, a rumor went round that George Clooney's in doing a voiceover for a film. So, and, and a couple of people saw him. I, he must have like hid from it because there were like thirty of us in this choir thing. So he'll have been hiding or whatever. Uh, mm. well, I, I don't know. I can't speak for Clooney. What a stupid thing to say. Uh, but but it, it was hard to find anyway because everybody would try to find him. I think um, it's just it's just such a magical place when you're walking around the corridors and you see all the history on the walls and the the old tape machines and stuff and you walk 
walking down the stairs and there's pictures of all the legends that I've recorded in the studios. And there's that, there's a nice little old lady in the cafe that's lived there, work, not lived there, but worked there for like 50 years. That's just seen everybody come in and spoke to everybody. It's such a, a, a warm, welcoming music place, that place that I just adored spending a couple of days in just doing my little stupid advert thing. Uh, to be an artist and to have that history of being in that building, how how did it make you feel? Like how how did it like conjure up I emotions think, in you? You know, I was I was I was really I was just really excited mm. being being in the studio. Yeah. Um, and uh, it sounds daft now, but like I went I went the loo ah. and I walked past all of those um, all of the pictures yeah. of all the history and things, and I was just thinking, wow. This is awesome, um, like almost surreal. Um, and then, as I came, I went the loo, and then as I came out of the the loo, like kind of almost dead opposite was a picture of um, Florence and the Machine, and the next Florence and the Machine was Amy Winehouse. Um, and I got a little, I got a little bit emotional because I was just thinking that's who kind of I listened to growing up. And now I'm actually here recording in the same place, kind of u- using the same kit and mics and all all the rest of it. And I was just thinking, like, part of me kind of was just thinking, what is going on? <laughs> how, how has this worked out? Like, um, but and, and I, th- I think it's important to kind of look at it like that, um, you know, and and just be like super, super like grateful of like. Yeah. I've got to do it, and um, just really grateful that the 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 producer like was like, yeah, I really like your songs. I want I want you to come record. I was just nice. like, yeah, I'll come and record. Um, so yeah, it was just amazing. I think it, it's just one of those things like I'll I'll never forget doing it, you know. Um, and it's it's just like yeah, like you say, really special place for for have played there have recorded yeah. there and for it to be like my original stuff that i'm there to do um and it's not it's not like high it, tech it just in feels there. unreal and it's not like high tech stuff it's like really old mics that they have from like the 60s that are just the the the, uh, the, the equipment that they have are there for a certain sound it doesn't matter if it's in you know necessarily a new uh microphone or a new bit of kit you know when i were in studio two they had the fucking lady madonna piano that Paul McCartney played in there, you know, like this, like it's just yeah. so, it, it's just so in depth and just so intense, really, with, with the history that surrounds that building. It's, it's, it, it but it's not intimidating. It just felt, it, it just felt like it's an easy place for you to to crack on, and you don't, it, and, you, and it's hard to get that kind of balance in a studio, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, everything, you know, everything was, you know, vintage, mm. and then like some. And you know some of the, some of the stuff that we was in our studio, we were saying you know like oh like where's you know what what version's that one? And they'd be like oh no that's the original one. Mm. And we'd be like no <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and like uh, like Chris was um, my drummer. Mm. He was set up. And then realised he'd got like fifty grand's worth of like mics <laughs> hanging over his head, and was just yeah. like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Um, just absolutely, absolutely insane. And they, like you say, like the the, the folks there were lovely. Um, and uh, we had a couple of studio uh, runners working mm-hmm. with us, and you know, setting up all the all the equipment yeah. and. Um, then you'd be saying, you know, can I can I get you tea or coffee? And I was thinking, yeah, this this this, this decent. <laughs> yeah, get used <laughs> the, to that. The bass player was like, they've got a fruit bowl <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and I was just thinking, like, oh my god, it's like, but it's just showing up. Like we're not we're not used to this. Yeah. Um, but I think that's just what made it even more special, you know. It's well. I, I know we're not. We're not going to be talking about what you've done in there because that'll be announced another time when you've worked it all out. Uh, so how? So life's all downhill from here, then I suppose, <laughs> from Abbey Road. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll always remember it, and like um, yeah. closer to kind of releasing 
um, the recording, I'll be kind of putting out all of like the pictures and all behind the scenes stuff. Nice. Um, we had uh, Paul Gallagher came. Um, I was going to ask you, was it? Is it the some, Paul Gallagher? Some pictures. Yeah, yeah. I've had, um, I've had him on the podcast, top geezer. I was, I saw that you credited him with your, with your picture outside. I was going to ask you about Paul. I, um, you know, it, it's such an amazing photographer. No, he's honestly, honestly, he's got such like an eye for it. He'd be like, right, let's go over here. This bit looks cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, some of the some of the shots are like just like class. The, the shots are great, and um, all all different like types of editing and everything. Yeah, he's. A, He's brilliant. Um, yeah, proper, proper, proper sound guy, and like we have a laugh together. Um, so it was, you know, really, really great day. We had him on the podcast, and you can you can delve into the archives and listen to our episode with Paul Gallagher. He's uh, he, he's so down to earth, and he he, uh, he makes you feel at home as well because he because he he does like to take the piss straight away, even if you if you don't know him, don't you? So he, so he will like. I he knew we were from Sheffield, and you know he just said, "Oh, you're rough. You've all got knives and that kind of stuff." Because that's what Sheffield United and they call the blades. I don't. It, it's just silly stuff, but it's just banter. It, it, but he's like, he's proper. He breaks down any kind of barriers that you might think of a Gallagher, doesn't he? And he, he just gets straight into bit like straight into work, and he's he, he don't take any shit. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I just, I just love it. I love, I love people that are just like you know, what you see is what you get. Yes, yeah. And I just, I just love that, and I think you know, yeah. I try to be like that, and just kind of you know, just straightforward. What you see yeah. is what you get. Um. And uh, yeah, and he's just he's just genuinely hilarious. And uh, we were we we did some in the studio, and we did some like just walking around London, and it's quite a nice area of London. So walking past all these like fancy houses and that, and have like you know all the all the people owning the owning like the million pound houses, giving us like looks as they walk past or <laughs> looking out the window like, who are these two? And we're just like, whatever. We're, getting, we're, we're, yeah. we're taking some pictures and uh, taking some recordings and that. So yeah, it was, it was really, it was really good. Um, and yeah, we had, we had a good laugh. How, how did your relationship with Paul start then? Um, so it was a, a while ago now, you know, mm. um, he started playing some of my tracks on um, oh, his on his Is- radio. Islington radio is it Islington radio yeah. Doing, yeah 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 Islington radio we started yeah. playing some of my tracks nice. um and then we just kind of like kept kept in touch from yeah. them would have it would have a chat um whenever um and then yeah it's just kind of kind of naturally um developed and would just kind of send like songs over um and went to his birthday this year, which was like, oh, it was just such a good laugh. Um, I think I, I arrived and he had um, like a whiskey in one hand and his Guinness in the other. Yeah, uh, yeah it was brilliant. He'd, he'd like hired out like an Irish bar yeah. pub in in London, and it was it was great. It was really really for nice I think I was I, I don't think I, I think I spent most of the night in, yeah. in that bar by the time I'd got <laughs> got back it was pretty much morning and I was on my train back <laughs> Stoke like, <laughs> in the station um feeling a bit worse for wear um but yeah it was um yeah he's, he's great and uh, just right. really really supportive and genuine yeah, no, I hundred percent uh, agree with that. It's just it, it's just nice to see these people giving back as well and supporting new artists on the radio shows and just getting involved with the careers and just helping people out. It's what it's all about, isn't it? So, so what's coming up for Lissy Taylor then? Isle of Wight Festival. Yeah, yeah, we got Isle of Wight coming up. Yeah. Um, honestly, like so excited for that. That's yeah. another like bucket list yeah. thing. Um, so yeah, and we're gonna be playing on. Um, the same day as Robbie. Um, oh, okay. So I want to see if we can get a, a Stoke picture with nice. Robbie. Um, that would be a bit wild. Um, that would be so cool. So, but I want to see if I can. If I can. If I can't, you know, we we still I'm did sure it. You'll be able to sort it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd like to see if I can get a you know yeah. Stoke. Stoke photo with yeah. with Mr. Robbie Williams that would be well cool. But you know it's gonna be it's gonna be great. So we're do, we're doing that, um, and then I've got a, a gig actually in Stoke at the mm. the end of June. 
Um, and then we've got a few more um, gigs and festivals coming up, like July, August, September. Yeah. Some of them aren't announced yet. Nice. Um, and then I'll be looking to start releasing some new tunes as well um, for kind of end of summer, be, be releasing a few. So, yeah, it's all it's all coming up. It's all in the works. It's, and it's very exciting to watch this just to you know, because I've been aware of your, you know, you, you as an artist for a while. Just to see it, really, just seeing all the hard work pay off. It's, uh, I just wish you all the best with it, mate. I think it's great. No, I, I appreciate it. It's just like graft, and I just think, you know what? Like, I'm gonna give it like 110, percent give it my yeah. best shot, yeah. and just see what happens. And that's that's all you can do, I guess. But like all the, I do, I just genuinely appreciate like all the support. I genuinely do. Yeah. Um, because so, it's what I've always kind of wanted to do. It's like my actual, like my dream. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm just happy I can I can go and and play music and people relate to to my songs. Because yeah. if I, if I wasn't doing it in like a public, you know, way, yeah. I'd still be just at home writing the songs anyway. Because for me, it's a very like almost like therapeutic mm. thing. So I'll be I'd be doing it regardless. So I'm just like. Blooming, blown away that oh, you know it, it's starting to kind of pick up some momentum and getting to do some really cool stuff well in the description of this podcast and on youtube there'd be a link to your website mate so if somebody's hovering over that link and they haven't bought some of your tunes or if they haven't bought a ticket for your next gig yet or they've they're just hovering over it thinking i am um, i might i might 50 50 what would you say to these people that are hovering over your link that are gonna come and see you live soon how do you make them press it? Uh, I'd, say, I'd say, look, you've got come watch us. Yeah. Beca- because the way things are going, <laughs> really, yeah. you're saving money. Yes. See us now. Yeah. See us now because you don't know what can happen. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Well said, mate. Well, thanks, Lizzie, <laughs> for joining us uh, for another uh, I really enjoyed getting to know you and understanding your journey a bit more, which I think, you know, it, 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 it's, it's what this podcast's all about, really, you know, just celebrating people's hard work and graft. And I look forward to putting a, a pint in front of you one day in a venue somewhere, uh, just to, when I see you in real life at some point, because it, it will happen. Uh, and I just love the journey, mate, and really appreciate your time today for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for all, all the support and for having us on. I, I really appreciate it. It's been men. Oh, cheers. Cheers, Lissy. Nice one. Yeah, check her at Isle of Wight if you're down at the Sold Out Festival. Coming up shortly. Uh, check the links in the description of the podcast. It takes you straight to her website. With all the gigs and tours and information coming up, check Lissy Taylor out. Why not, mate? So, yeah, I said it at the beginning. Um, I'm going to leave the show today with my interview on BBC Radio Sheffield this week with Toby Foster. Just thought I'd share it with you. Why not? So as always, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for another week here at the RGM Podcast. Stay tuned for my interview on BBC Radio Sheffield this week, talking about the first ever Arctic Monkeys gig. And we'll see you next week for another great show. You can watch this video as well on YouTube. All the podcasts that we do are all on YouTube. There's a video version as well if you want to see our little faces. Subscribe on there too. We're trying to grow the YouTube channel. Hobbs. Uh, Why not? Uh, So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, nice one leave you with something a little bit different this week me on BBC Radio Sheffield up bright and early with Toby Foster so I'll see you next week guys I'll leave you with that toodaloo well on the line now is Carl Maloney Carl remembers that gig very well Uh, if you ask about anybody in Sheffield about 80,000 people were in that room (laughs) that night because they all remember it Carl Maloney certainly does, though. Good morning, Carl. Hi, mate. How you doing? You all right, Toby? I'm good, thank you. In yeah. pretty much the same way yeah. as everybody over 60 yeah. will tell you that Joe Cocker changed their gas fire. Yeah. Uh, everybody over <laughs> 30 reckons they were at that gig 10 year, 20 years ago, don't they? I know. You, you kind of lie to yourself, don't you? Uh, as you get older, you kind of <laughs> remember things different ways, don't you? But uh, there was about probably about 40 people i think uh from memory and i might have made that up a little bit there might be a bit less than that you know 
Because <laughs> you were in a band at the time, weren't you, Carl? Yeah, I, I was in a band called The Sound. And um, friends of friends, uh, our, our drummer uh, used to be, uh, I had a brother. His brother was in a band called The Wanted. In The Wanted was a guy called Rob Nicholson, an amazing photographer in Sheffield right now. Pedalo. Um, yeah. And uh, his brother uh, was Andy from The Arctic Monkeys. So it was all like friends from a friend's... Um, we had this gig. Andy Nicholson was the first bass player, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So it was Andy, uh, Andy, yeah, Andy's yeah, brother, yeah. just a, you know, great lads. And uh, yeah, so we, we basically just had this gig on a Tuesday night. I can't remember what kind of night it was, just down at the Grapes, just doing what bands do, playing Sheffield too much, really. Uh, and just on that one particular night, uh, there was a band called the Arctic Monkeys that supported us, which was nice. Uh, and I've dined on this story all my life, Toby, and I don't mind being honest about that. <laughs> but absolutely. It's told, you, you got there, you've got Artie Monkeys of support, nobody yeah. heard of them. What was it like? I mean, obviously you're the main band, you set up first, you're ready, you're sound checked, and then they pop up. What happens? Yeah, we, we I've never seen anything like it, and I still don't see it to today. I, I put a lot of bands on with RGM, the magazine that I do. Um, and you know, speak to loads of bands on on the podcast that I do as well, and and, and I still don't see I, I still don't see what I saw on that night. Ba- ba- basically, when when we done our sound check, they wanted us all out so they could get their sound right for their sound check. Uh, so basically, they made a point of getting everybody out of the room, which I still don't see to today. I still don't see that professionalism and uh, foresight to want to get the sound right, even in on the first ever gig. That that's the main standout thing for me that that I remember from the gig really. And we owe and we owe the band twenty seven quid, I think, from the door. <laughs> Did you not pay them? Uh, I, well, I, I blame Scott, our bass player, uh, for forgetting to pay them. Um, so um, so <laughs> Alex, I'm coming to the gig on Saturday. I'll bring you twenty seven quid, mate. <laughs> were they were they any good? Um. I, I I can't remember any you know strikes of lightning or anything like that. To be honest with you, it was just another gig, and it just happened to be on the same mm. night as what we played, and history was made type thing by them. Um, so I I can't really remember being too overly impressed by them. Uh, I just mainly remember uh, the uh, you know the sound check and them trying to get us out because everybody were like, oh, this is different. You know, I haven't seen this before. You know, uh, well, in a weird yeah. way, you know, yeah. I, I I'm I'm the Opposite of every Sheffielder. Right. Because I might have been there. I have no idea. I just used to go to the Grapes quite a lot. I'd have remembered if you were there. To, to, to... Well, no, because I, I mean, not really. I want to, well, I don't know. Yes, but, well, I can't remember. I used to go a load, so I'm, I'm guessing I wasn't. Um, because it was only, it was shortly after that they stopped having gigs up there, didn't they? Proper shame. Um, you know, a yeah, we, we, it really we've, was. We've seen it historically in Sheffield where venues go and they, they leave big, massive holes in the community. And the Grapes was an amazing place just to even go out having a drink downstairs. And just if there's summer on upstairs, yeah. you just pop up and see what's on and just discover a great way to discover new music as well, that that old place. And it, it just had a nice, like, old Irishy pub environment. It was always too hot down there. I always remember that. And that that was yeah. always nice. Yeah, but it's left a massive hole in uh, the Sheffield community. I know there's new venues popping up now and that kind of stuff, which is great. But, um, you know, the Grapes, yeah. I just, I, I did like that place. It was a great place for new bands to cut the teeth, really. We ran a couple of very small, I mean, it was only 40 or 50 people, wasn't it? Mm. And a couple of uh, small comedy nights in there, I remember that. Yeah. And I do remember being in there one night with Kid Acne, um, uh-huh. watching him play, and it was, which was brilliant at the time. Um, yeah. But so such a shame that I shut down. What happened to, to, to your band? What happened to The, the Wanted? Oh, the wanted? Uh, it, we were called The Sound. The Wanted uh, were like the friends sound. and friends before. Yeah, the, 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 band, they, yeah. All, they all got kind of boring and, um, you know, started having kids and couldn't commit to it anymore, Toby. So have you carried on? Yeah, well, I, I I carried on showing off. I did stand up for a year after that, and then created a uh, a music magazine called RGM Magazine, where I support new music and give back to the community these days, and do podcasts and all that exciting stuff, and talk to people. Um, so I, I I couldn't stop me. You know, once music grabs you, you just you just carry on with it. You can't leave you sometimes. I'm I'm one of them, me mate. Well, it's one of those things that you've got to just, 
You can't get away from the fact that you're getting older, don't you? I'm sp- and I'm speaking to somebody who was at rehearsal last night with a load of other blokes in the mid-50s. Oh, right, okay. Uh, I, um, well, you know, you, you, when when you're a certain type of personality, I, I tried the old stand-up, uh, uh, you know, circuit for a year, Toby, and I know you know all about all that. Uh, I was uh, absolute rubbish at it, but um, I got a bit of a name for myself. Wait, so- hang on a minute. Do I, do I remember you, Carl? Were you, no, you, no, you, I were I, I, cool I, Beans videos? I was in the Cool Beans videos, yeah. Well, I, played, I played a copper. Yeah, I remember them now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were good fun. Uh, and I, and I, 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 sorry, I've yeah. not made the connection. It's all right, mate. It's all right, mate. And but from doing stand-up gigs, I got a bit of a name for myself. Uh, I don't know, good or bad, whatever. Uh, but then uh, I, I got asked to host music gigs and got back into music again and became a music compare. Yeah. After that, I started doing my own gigs at Frog and Parrot. Nick got me involved, putting bands on. Started putting bands on. Interviewed bands in the pub. Needed a website to put the uh, to put the bands on, uh, and that organically became RGM Magazine, which is yeah. flying at the minute. Uh, and I couldn't be more proud of what I've done with that. To be honest, it's great. I'd not made the connection at all, Carl. Well, that's fantastic that uh, that you've got this story, this this amazing story of one of, A, the most iconic venues in Sheffield, and B, arguably the biggest band to come from Sheffield. I suppose Nick Bank from Pump will have a word with me about that. Uh, But, but, you know, certainly one of the biggest bands ever uh, to come from Sheffield. What what a fantastic set of stories you've got. Carl, thanks for talking to us this morning. Nice one, Toby. Have a good one, Paul. You take care, mate. Uh, Carl Maloney there, ladies and gentlemen, Carl Maloney, whose whose band was supported uh, by the Artie Monkeys at the Artie Monkeys' first ever gig.